Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm Nikki Eisenhower, your host, life coach, and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, I'm discussing self-development and godlike parents. This episode is inspired by a chapter in Susan Forward's book, Toxic Parents. The chapter that I'm referring to today is the chapter called The Godlike Parents. Now, reviewing this material made me remember how I felt buying this book. I hadn't lived with my parents for a good long while when I did, but even buying something called Toxic Parents when you have godlike parents felt wrong. It felt bad. It felt like they could see. It felt like I was judging them and I wasn't allowed to do so. So over the years, as I've recommended this book to countless people, I've felt that and seen that in client after client after client after client. So if you feel that when you hear the name of the book, that might be an indicator that you have parents who have some of these godlike characteristics. We all have an archetype of what a God is, even if we're atheist. We have it in our collective unconscious. We have it as an archetype. We know the idea of God as an all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipresent entity. In many fables across many cultures, the gods are unpredictable and even vengeful. They hold power to be jury and executioner. No one is allowed to have more power in all the land than these gods. Godlike parents don't parent their children as much as rule over them. Godlike parents believe that their parenting style is righteous, that it's more controlled, that it's better, that they even love better than the average person because of this level of control. They celebrate this parental control and they go out of their way consciously and subconsciously to keep that parental control at all costs, often at the cost of the actual relationship with their children as they grow. Gabor Mate, he is an author, I believe he's a psychologist, but I'd have to go back and look, but he's definitely a mental health professional. He teaches in his work with child development that effective parenting values relationship over right behavior in a child. That the way to garner right behavior, for lack of a better term, I know I'm speaking in all or nothings, but the way to garner more right behavior out of a child is not by hammering or pounding them about that behavior like an angry God from the sky. It's actually through the respect of the personhood of that child in development, holding the relationship as sacred, 
not trying to control or dominate a child's behavior, a child's ways, a child's thinking. Often godlike parents lack emotional intelligence and they don't possess the mature strength it takes to allow the ego to present as vulnerable and unknowing. This is why they teach their children that they are all-knowing, aka godlike. These parents expect worship as the glue that keeps the family together, and they're very proud about this gluing together in this way. Gods don't take responsibility for their own bad behavior. They're allowed bad behavior because they're gods, no one else is. God-like parents rarely humble themselves to do the work of getting vulnerable, which would value the relationship and connection and care over control. Why would a God humble himself or herself for the lesser humans? They are God-like. They are above. These parents are often puzzled when these kids grow up and move very far away, other states, other countries, They go nowhere, low contact. They don't really feel any warm and fuzzies because warmth and fuzziness wasn't the currency in these families. Control and obedience were the currencies. It's hard to feel warm and fuzzy about people that dominate our spirit, that raise us in a way that teaches us that we must need them. Susan Forward talks about two doctrines for these types of parents. Number one is that I am bad and my parents are good. Number two is I am weak and my parents are strong. Think about these doctrines. These aren't conscious thoughts that any parent that is this way tends to have or writes down. If I looked at any parent and said, hey, Do you want your children to feel bad and you to feel good? I think they would say no. But in action, in the day-to-day mundaneness of life, this is what winds up shaking out. That I am bad and my parents are good if I have godlike parents. And of course we can understand that. If my parent is all-knowing, then they can't provide space for me as a child to know anything. I am taught to just throw my own thoughts, desires, ideas out of the window and to look to them for their godlike guidance. When we do that, we're told good girl or good boy. We get reinforced for throwing our own thoughts, our own way, our own questions out of the window and being obedient. We can understand that busy, hardworking Well-intentioned parents need their kids to be a certain amount of obedient just to make life flow. There's nuance to all of this. When parents are too godlike and controlling, a child grows to learn that they know nothing. They have no power. And they become stuck between the choices of obeying for the sake of not rocking the boat and pleasing and being in the good graces of the godlike parent or rebelling to honor their own spirit, to find some autonomy, to begin to grow into a sense of self and self-knowing. Distance emotionally often happens at this point, if not physical distance, 
because we may need to take space away from this type of God in our life so that we can give ourselves a chance to step into our own adultness, to try it on for size, to see what fits, what doesn't, what our style is. We have to be able to make mistakes to be able to learn. And we may choose distance to have some space to make those mistakes out from under the perfectionistic expectations of these godlike parents. If my parent is a god, I am of a god. I am not allowed to make any kind of mistake. And this thwarts my growing process. This gives me anxiety about things that are very natural, like making mistakes, like displeasing people in our lives. The task for such survivors is to know and work on finding their own truth. We need to learn to stand on our own two feet, to make decisions and to make mistakes, and to accept these mistakes as inevitable life teachers. This is how we start to differentiate into a self apart from the family. In a godlike family, we may need more space to create that differentiation. Because we were so controlled, because we were often given messages of be the same, sameness is good, difference is bad. In this kind of healing, we conquer people-pleasing. This is often the root of why we are such people-pleasers if we had over-controlling or godlike parents. Of course, as a little kid, we want to please God or our parents, anyone that we're told has authority over us. Anyone raised with God learns that the goal is to please him, to be in those good graces. And it is the same for parents. If you're an avid listener of the show, you've heard me advocate many times over that you are your own authority figure, that you get to decide, that you don't have to give your power away just to please people. That there is a cost to that that feels icky. It feels disingenuous. It feels like we're selling our soul out. Adulting is about accepting the reality that we get to own our own life. In my own life, I have to own the good, the bad, and the ugly, and everything in between. This work first happens in idea. And as we marinate in these ideas, maybe. I could start giving myself permission to bloom. Maybe it's okay for me to start being different than what my parents want. Maybe it's okay for me to explore who and what and where and how in the ways that resonate with me. Maybe I can start to live out from under the family dynamic. This is where we cultivate this idea of a wise man or a wise woman a part of ourselves that can step in to take over that role of the godlike parent and reparent us to give us permission that we can grow into more autonomy. We can learn to give our own inner child permission to listen to our own inner guidance over the outer godlike presence. Less controlling parents want their children to blossom into who they are even if that's different than what they want for their child or what they envisioned. Godlike parents want their children to be lifelong worshipers and don't necessarily understand or aren't interested in understanding 
how their controlling ways stunts emotional development in their children, making them anxious, skittish perfectionists, and people pleasers who think all of their worth should come from a God's praise, an authority figure's praise. The task here is to give ourselves permission to guide and grow our lives as we see fit, to learn that it's okay to please ourselves some of the time instead of always trying to please the gods. In my spiritual opinion, a reasonable, healthy, grounded God who doesn't have an ego problem is comfortable with each individual growing into their autonomy. A true God to me is one with the spirit of Jesus who saw good in all and is happy at your growing into yourself. There's no threat there when the authority figure is secure. Instead of dominating through control, we learn to give ourselves permission to stand up for ourselves. The task here ultimately is that we are taking back our own power. We are taking back our own usefulness. We are taking back our own vision of ourselves to allow ourselves to see ourselves as worthwhile, as good. We work therapeutically to build our own confidence up, to grow into the adult that we can be. That second doctrine I am weak and my parents are strong. Of course, if my parents are godlike, I must be weaker because I'm not a god. And that makes me feel a sense of need that I need those godlike parents to guide, to control, to take over my life, and that I cannot and should not because I don't know what I'm doing. They're the authority figure, not me. And this does make us feel weak, it makes us feel inadequate. It makes us feel confused. It makes us hold ourselves back, not willing to take a risk unless we already know how to do it perfectly. But we can't do it perfectly without risking and getting it wrong, making mistakes, fumbling and stumbling. So by trying to please in this way, by trying to play by the rules that these gods gave, we thwart our own development. We scare ourselves out of our own adultness. These parents grow dependent children. Often their identity as parents is wrapped up so much in being the parent that not in a conscious way, but in a subconscious way, the scariest thing to these parents is that the child may grow up and leave. They can grow to not need the parent. And if that parent's identity is wrapped up in being that child's parent, that is a major threat. And this means that the child ultimately holds the power to take away the parent's identity as the one who knows, the one who provides, the one who decides. And that threat is there simply by just being alive and wanting to naturally grow up. A dependent and unsure child will likely develop into a dependent and unsure adult that feels needy. And this solidifies how the dysfunctional godlike parent and the dependent child puzzle pieces fit together in a way that is still dysfunctional, 
but works for the parent to hold on to that identity. And these are not necessarily conscious, deliberate thoughts. I'm speaking from a place of how our psychology works as human beings. Godlike parents do not typically get together and brainstorm ways to keep their children stuck, anxious, and needy. Unless they have a good, strong streak of cruelty in them, they do want, on the surface level, what's best for their children and best for their relationship. They just don't know how to go about it in any other way other than this. And because of the godlike quality that has developed in these types of parents, these processes, these ways of being often go unchecked, unexamined, unless mindfulness becomes valued. But a God doesn't seem to have a lot of incentive or motivation to value self-reflection, mindfulness, apology, self-correction. So the God-likeness actually winds up keeping the parents stuck in these ways more often than not for a lifetime. So stuckness of all players in this dynamic is a major issue. Tasks here are to take your power back and get unstuck and change the shape of your puzzle piece so that you no longer comfortably, though dysfunctionally, fit being controlled. As you blossom and heal, your task is to grow into your power, to grow into your strength. It's your birthright to grow into who you are. Your decision-making and your mistake-making and learning abilities, they are all there for you. It's okay to invite this type of discomfort. And sometimes in life, what's thwarting us the most is trying to avoid all discomfort. If we can radically accept being alive has a certain amount of discomfort, then we can better choose the kind of discomfort that grows us instead of the kind of discomfort that keeps us stuck and small. In healthy relating, we want to share time together with people because those people feel good to spend time with. In unhealthy dynamics, we feel obligated or there's a neediness in our togetherness. Godlike parents are often enmeshed and enmeshed is just a fancy word for being all smushed up in their adult child's business. Often they justify this by saying that they are trying to help and that they're needed. And this is what family does. Often this is massively selfish. And if the subconscious could be accessed for truth from this parent, for real truth speaking, that part would say, I desperately need you to need me. I can't be a God if you don't need and worship me. I have no power. I don't know how to cultivate dynamics where we coexist and actually enjoy each other. I only know how to control and dominate. I've been doing it so long. So I've resorted to keeping you as small as I can. And that will ensure that you need me over the whole course of my life. I will never have to be uncomfortable with myself. I will never face myself in the mirror and tell myself that I need to grow into an identity that is my own. That isn't contingent on you needing me. I continue to choose to have my identity as your parent. I don't want to grow. 
I'm too scared to really look at who I am or who I might be or how much time I might have wasted in my own life development by leaning into this dynamic. Please stay small. I need you to stay small. I have met many people over the course of my life with godlike parents. Highly sensitive people seem to be the most affected by this dynamic. I have a theory that highly sensitive people are born with natural, fantastic leadership qualities. Godlike parents have to make a problem with those qualities, must squash those independent spirit drives because it threatens their limited identity. I've met many people who go along with the godlike expectations. They often follow an unquestioned life path and they accept it without a lot of question. In my experience and expertise, these are people who just aren't so deep. They aren't necessarily seekers. They can feel pretty comfy not questioning what their parents expect of them and just kind of going along with the program. They deliver what their parents want. From all intents and purposes, they seem to have a decent life. They often walk a very typical path of high school and college and marriage They buy a home, they have a few kids, and they show up for every holiday. There are people that I suspect might be totally satisfied doing what pleases their parents for life. And maybe you are this type, but maybe not. If you feel drained by your parents, if you feel obligated in a way that gets under your skin, that makes you raw, that makes you resentful, if you love your parents but dislike them, If they give you messages like never good enough, no matter how much time I spend, if they shame you when you don't obey their wishes and you actually live your own life, if you are a highly sensitive person, it is likely that the cost to your autonomy and even to your spirit may not allow you to go with this godlike parental program of pleasing them. And like a snake shedding skin, You may be facing shedding their godlike control over your headspace, over your time, over your holidays, over your choices, over your own parenting preferences and partner preferences. And this may support you and encourage you to lean into your own life, to step into your own authority, to let go of people pleasing so that you can please yourself in this one precious life. There's a lot of nuance to this topic of godlike parents. I don't believe you have to know if your parent or both parents are narcissists or if they just have some traits of narcissism or a full-blown diagnosable personality disorder. As a side note, know that these types of narcissistic personality disorders, this cluster of personality disorders, often goes rarely diagnosed unless this person is forced through a court system and forced into psychological evaluation and treatment. Because again, why would a God need to seek out mental health help? If what I'm sharing today resembles the parenting that you experienced growing up, then you can start to recognize these cycles, recognize these patterns, these ways of being. You can look at and explore how have these dynamics worked their way inside of how you think and how you behave. How is your worth? How is your esteem? Because we can only feel lower if our parent presented as a God. 
And our work there can be to help ourselves feel equal, enough, valuable. If you recognize that some of these dynamics are playing out in your own relationship with your children, then you would do well to look at them, to explore them with a therapist or a mental health life coach. Most of us don't do things for bad reasons. We come up with good reasons to do them. There are good reasons we can come up with. They sound good, like wanting our kids to succeed or not wanting our kids to experience pain so we do too much for them. Wanting to protect kids from the struggles required to foster independence and grow. You can face these dynamics and you have the power to change them inside of yourself and in your own family that you were creating. It's hard work and it is so very worth it. Adulting is about owning that we are our own authority figure. If we are not that, then what is the difference between being a child and being an adult? It can't just be age that we have enough birthdays. What does it actually mean emotionally and mentally to become an adult? As an adult, I embrace that I am responsible for my choices. I'm responsible for the consequences of those choices, the wins, the losses, what's fair and what's unfair. There's a certain kind of freedom from this kind of radical ownership. We are right to feel depressed if we grew up under these dynamics. Think of a doctor who looks at your throat and uses a tongue depressor. It pushes the tongue down. If we are pushed down by a godlike presence, in our development, then we will likely feel depressed, pressed down. We do our work to let go of this depression, of this regression, so that we can bloom into our own autonomy. If you do this work, you will learn to stand up for yourself, not just out in the world, but in the energetic presence of your parent, whether you're thinking about that parent or whether you're in the room or on the phone with that parent. And in that moment, you adult for yourself and for your parent. Because in that moment, you give your parent a choice without saying these words. You meet them in this moment and subconsciously communicate. Hey, parent, you have a choice right now. You can meet me as the adult that I am, or you can continue this dynamic and I won't meet you there. This will be a very short visit. And if you are truly adulting for yourself, you will hit a point in your development where you refuse to suppress, repress, or depress your own adulting just to appease godlike parents. It may feel reasonable at times to not rock the boat in any one given moment. But recognize that when you choose to not rock the boat, Over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, you are enabling your godlike parents to continue this dysfunction. And your inner child watches you to see if you are really trustworthy, to see if you are willing to take care of him or her in the ways that your parent didn't know how. This to me is what growing up is. We all age up if we're alive, but we don't necessarily grow up. My inner child desperately needed me to grow up and to show up for her, to show her that she counts, she matters, 
and that the adult wise part of me that grows every day is willing to stand up to face the hard things to change my life no matter how uncomfortable the feeling of security that I have from showing up for my inner child is priceless and that is work that no other human being on this planet could have done for me I challenge you to do it for yourself No matter how scared you are, no matter how overwhelmed, no matter how intimidated, no matter how confused, are you willing to do this level of self-care for your one precious life? Are you willing to love yourself and grow yourself up in this way? To feel free, to feel responsible, to feel empowered. What does your inner child need from you? If you resonate with the way that I teach, then it's likely that you're a good fit for the boundaries course. We just opened sign up. If you'd like to sign up, the early bird code is early bird 22 for $50 off. If you pay in full, you can also choose from three different payment plans. The course starts this year, just like every year in October. I look forward to it every single year. Boundaries are the foundation of everything that I speak of and everything that I teach. If you were on the waiting list for the Boundaries course, check your email because you can sign up with a little bit of bonus. So check your email, check your spam folder. If you were on the wait list for the Boundaries course, it is open. If you're a Patreon member, make sure to get your code for the Boundaries course at Patreon. Patreon producers of the show will always get our biggest discounts to everything that we do. I hope there was something in this episode and in every episode that helps you see yourself, your humanity, your relationships, your child development through a lens of clarity, of compassion, of understanding what your tasks are to heal and to grow and how to heal and to grow. Part of why I have so much fun teaching the boundaries course each year is because it's a different format than this. You can see me. And as goofy as it might sound, there is a lot that I can translate and teach by seeing how my body moves, how I say something. Those of you who have already been in the Boundaries course, check your email. We're giving you a super duper duper discount so that you can get the course for more than half off. Every single year, people take the course more than once. I love seeing your growth. And it's awesome for new people to see how you've grown into the material. We will be working on boundaries all of our lives. It is just the nature of the beast. So we can dive in and start that good learning. If you're interested, I can't wait to meet you in October. It's like a big, giant college classroom. Light and love. I'm an emotional badass. You're an emotional badass. And together we are where Moxie meets Mindful. I'll see you right here next time. Light and love. Bye-bye.